Welcome to Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. Follow along on my journey as I ask the questions we all have when it comes to getting pregnant, staying pregnant, and becoming parents. I'm not an expert and I have no experience. I'm going through it all just like you. So thanks for being here and let's get into it. Hello, and welcome back to Any Questions. Before I dive into today's episode all about dealing with other people's reactions to your fertility or TTC trying to conceive journey, I wanted to share a little bit of an update for me. Uh, I know a lot of you are following along on my journey, so I always like to keep you in the loop about what's happening. So my husband and I just got back from a couple weeks in France, which was amazing. Highly recommend it. We were down in the south of France, kind of the Provence, Côte d'Azur region, um, and it was beautiful. It was a really cool time to go in February. It wasn't um, so busy, uh, but there was still like quite a bit of sun for winter, especially coming from where we live in uh, Vancouver, where it's quite gray and rainy. Um, This trip was a little bit, the timing of it was a little bit odd because um, if you remember from some of my past episodes, we are now moving into, we're going to try IUI, intrauterine insemination, with the fertility clinic that we've been working with. So we kind of got the like, go ahead, yes, let's try it um, at the end of last year. And unfortunately, um, I wasn't able to start it right away just because my cycle happened to start over the Christmas holiday and their clinic like wasn't doing IUIs during that time. Uh, So we thought my next cycle might actually end up starting while we were away in France, because unfortunately with my PCOS, I have pretty long cycles. Um, So that was going to suck because that again meant we'd have to delay it, like we wouldn't be able to get started. But um, by some weird quirk of PCOS, I'm in an extremely long cycle. So despite having like tons of spotting the whole time we were away, my period never actually started. Actually, it, it still hasn't started. I'm hoping it starts, uh, you know, today, tomorrow, by the time you hear this, um, so we can actually get going. Uh, but yeah, that was a weird I guess kind of silver lining. I was really expecting it to start in France and that would, you know, delay the IUIs. Um, but yeah, luckily it did not. And we are back home and whenever it decides to start, hopefully soon, we will get started with the IUI this cycle, which I am sure I will have another podcast episode all about. I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm trying to keep my hopes down. Just, you know, it's not like a silver bullet. This isn't 100% going to work. And even when we were having the call with our doctor, she was kind of saying like, hey, I recommend, you know, no more than three rounds of IUI, and then maybe you can move on to IVF. Um, so even right then, you know, she wasn't saying like, oh, yeah, you'll do it once and it'll be perfect. So I'm really trying to keep my expectations quite low. I don't want to get too overly excited or invested in this because it could just be part one of a very long journey if we do um, an IUI a few times. And then if we do decide to move on to IVF, Um, excitingly, actually for uh, my province, they just announced that starting next year, our province is going to cover the first round of IVF, which is huge Um, and does put us in line. I think like more than half of Canadian provinces cover either the first round of IVF or they have some sort of like IVF reimbursement program. Um, And I know if you're listening from not Canada, this probably doesn't mean very much to you, Um, but it's, it's exciting. We had kind of talked about, you know, we definitely want to do the IUI. We'll do the three rounds as suggested, you know, if we need to. And then if the next step after that is IVF, we kind of had a bit of a question mark over that. I wasn't quite sure if it, I still am not a hundred percent sure it's something I want to do. 
Um, part of that is the physical toll of it. You know, I'm not very good with all of this medical stuff and I was just not looking forward to that. Um, but a huge part of it was the financial toll, you know, with IVF costing like 10 to $20,000 for a round when you include all the, like the medications and the storage and all that other stuff. Um, that's a huge chunk of change and would seriously impact our uh, financial life, you know, our budget, especially, you know, again, like IUI, IVF is not a silver bullet. It's not guaranteed to work the first time. Um, so it would just be putting us through a lot, both physically and financially. But now that the financial burden, at least for the first round, is going to be, you know, alleviated through this new program, um, that's that's really exciting. Like if, if not for us, um, I mean, hopefully, knock on wood, the IUI works and we don't even have to entertain the IVF conversation. But if that's where we get to, um, that's, that's awesome that our province is going to cover that. That's really, really exciting because we had even talked about, you know, do we like move to another province for a little while just to to take advantage of the the free IVF? Um, so that's yeah, that's really exciting. And unfortunately, uh, there wasn't really coverage for it. I know some, I think some places in the U.S. and in Canada as well, like some workplaces will cover um, IVF, but it's not something you know. I'm self employed, and my husband works for our like public health care, so it wasn't something offered. Funny, he works for the public health care, and that's like not something they offer. But yeah, there was no additional support, so it would have been all out of pocket for us. So that is very exciting, and like weirdly lines up with probably exactly when we would want to try it next year. You know, if we're spending this year kind of doing the IUIs, um, so that is. Awesome and very good news. And that sort of segues into today's topic. So today's topic was suggested by a listener named Jillian. Jillian, thank you so much for writing in. Uh, I really appreciate it. So I say it segues in well because, you know, as we go through, hopefully, again, knock on wood, this first cycle of IUI, I think we've kind of decided that because it is quite low, I would say low, I don't know if what the word is here. It's not as invasive as IVF. It's not as um, hard on the body. It's basically like the the turkey baster method. (laughs) I might have to go in for, you know, some blood work and ultrasounds. But besides that, it's pretty much turkey, turkey basters (laughs) is what we're doing. Um, So we've decided we're not going to be sharing that with like friends and family, you know, maybe after the fact, but it's not something where I feel that we need like additional support outside of me and my husband to go through this procedure. However, if we do get to a place where we're doing IVF, I think that might be something where I would want to, you know, kind of let a few people know, you know, maybe our parents and some best friends or something, because I do think we might need that additional support. And I think it'll be a little bit harder um, to not to hide, um, but just to sort of like go about our everyday life and not let people know. Whereas the IUI again is like much less invasive, much less time consuming. There's not like, you know, shots every night, that sort of thing. Um, so from, (laughs) from the outside perspective, having not done either procedure yet, that's kind of where I'm at. So like I said, that segues well into today's topic, which is all about processing other people's reactions. So Jillian wrote in and she said that her and her husband have been on a frustrating fertility journey. Um, hope she doesn't mind me sharing this. She left it in the notes, but, uh, basically they've dealt with some miscarriages and, you know, some other fertility struggles. And she requested an episode about how to process other people's reactions, because she was saying that, you know, for their first miscarriage, people were very sympathetic, but then for their second miscarriage, and, you know, once they kind of shared about their other fertility struggles, people didn't really seem to understand. And she's, you know, having trouble processing that, which I completely, completely, um, 
can understand. <laughs> Not to say that, you know, I know exactly what you're going through, Jillian, but uh, I 100% as I was reading your message was like, yep, like, I, I know what you mean. I immediately had people in my life that I was like, yep, I can think of people who are not reacting the way I wanted them to when we shared parts of our journey. Um, so I think this is a great topic. Thank you so much for suggesting it. So before I dive in to, you know, how to deal with other people's reactions, I kind of wanted to talk about like the three, as I see it, the three kind of options for sharing your fertility journey, your TTC journey um, with people. So I'll talk about each one, kind of the pros and cons and sort of some advice there. And then I'll kind of wrap it up with dealing with other people's reactions more generally. So option number one would be to tell no one. So you keep the fertility journey, you know, just between you and your provider or you and your partner, depending on, you know, how you're planning to conceive. Obviously, the pros here are you don't have to deal with anyone's reactions. You don't have to listen to any comments or any opinions or any, you know, questions or anything from other people in your life. Um, you don't have to keep anyone updated, which is a huge one. I know for me, that's uh, a big con of having told people now they kind of expect updates along the way. Uh, and you also just get to keep the whole thing very private, which we've talked about before. There is so much secrecy around TTC and fertility journeys. And part of it makes sense. It's an extremely private thing that, you know, you and your partner, or you and your healthcare provider are, are working on. Um, and you don't owe it to anyone. You don't have to tell anyone these, you know, health um, issues that you're dealing with. But at the same time, that also kind of contributes to a lot of this stigma and like misinformation around TTC because it's not talked about. But I, I still believe that's not on you personally. Like you don't have to share your story if you don't want to. Um, I think it's more of like a societal general thing. Some cons to not telling anyone about your journey. Uh, first of all, you still might get some insensitive comments. I think uh, I can think of this in my own <laughs> my own experience, you know, being a early 30s, recently married person, there are still those comments about like, oh, when are you gonna have a baby? When are you gonna have one of these? Like, don't you want a little one? Like, oh, look how good your husband looks holding a baby, you know, if there's like a, a baby cousin or something around. Um, those comments can really hurt if people don't know what you're going through and they're just kind of saying them offhand. I particularly remember when we were away camping and I was like mid um, early miscarriage that we had. Sorry, I'll put a trigger warning on this episode because miscarriage is going to come up uh, a little bit. But yeah, we had a very, very early chemical pregnancy miscarriage um, back last summer. And we were actually away on a camping trip with family. And as I was like, literally sitting there bleeding and like, holding back tears, you know, with the family, my husband's uncle, you know, pointed to one of the little toddlers running around with our group and was like, Oh, you guys should have one of those. And I just like, Oh, the, if, if I could see the look on my own face, then I just like was so gutted hearing that comment. And obviously, you know, he doesn't know what he's saying. He doesn't know what we're going through. But I think that's one of the, I guess, cons of not sharing um, your story that you will still, unfortunately, get these insensitive comments. And I hope that's something as a society we stop doing, like, let's stop. <laughs> so you know, I think as a society, we figured out that we should no longer ask women if they're pregnant, and it's not appropriate to like touch pregnant women, um, or pregnant people rather. But I think we still need to stop talking to people in their, I don't know, late 20s, early 30s about children, we just don't know what's going on with them, if they want kids, if they can have kids. So it's just extremely inappropriate to bring up things like that. And I hope we do better <laughs> as a society. Um, other cons are obviously the lack of support. If you are wanting to rely on your circle, you know, your friends, your family, your loved ones for that additional support through a 
um, difficult TTC journey, it's obviously very hard to do that if you don't tell them what's going on. So my advice, if you are in this camp and you're deciding like, hey, it's just going to be me and my partner or it's just going to be me and my doctor, no one else is going to know, is first of all, make sure that you are um, doing a lot of communicating. I guess this is more if you have a partner that you're doing this with. So make sure that you and your partner are really on the same page about like, hey, we don't want to tell anyone. This is just our thing. And then make sure that you really have open channels of communication because a big thing I've noticed in this two and a bit year fertility journey that I've been on is that the emotions are everywhere. There are highs, there are lows, there are um, times when I'm super, super optimistic, times when I'm completely over it, I want to throw in the towel, times when I want to talk about it a lot and go into detail and look at every little symptom, and times when I want to completely forget about it and talk about something else. Um, and if there's no one else in your life that you're able to process those things with, and it's only going to be your partner, you need to really make sure that you have that sort of open communication with each other and that you are able to hold each other's like different emotions and different needs in this time. That being said, that is a really huge ask of any other human, <laughs> even a human who loves you very much and wants to start a family with you. So in this case, I strongly, strongly, strongly suggest therapy. That's actually going to be my suggestion always, <laughs> all the time, no matter what you've decided. Um, I think having a therapist who you can go to for that additional support, especially if you're not telling anyone else, um, is really helpful. If you have a partner, if you don't have a partner, definitely, definitely, if you are you know, doing the single parent thing and there's truly no one else you can talk to about this, I really encourage you um, to look for some form of therapy. I know there are different like low cost or online options that can make it a little bit more accessible, but it is so helpful to have somebody whose job it is to listen to you and support you and help you process. Um, that can be really helpful. Other things, um, you know, there are obviously lots of like online forums and Facebook groups and things like that that you can join so you can still have that sense of community without having to openly talk to people like in real life that you know. Uh, you could start a podcast like I did. <laughs> That's one way to do it. Um, and my last sort of point here, I think, is, and especially if um, your journey ends up being longer than you thought it was going to, or taking, you know, different twists and turns is as much as you might say, Hey, this is just our thing. You know, you and me, honey, we're not going to tell anyone else. Let's keep it private. I would keep that door open because maybe that's how you feel month one or year one. But if you are, you know, year five or, you know, a few procedures deep or deciding to look at, you know, fostering or adopting or something like that, you might want to open that door at some other point and let people in and tell people what you've been doing. So I don't think this needs to be something where like, you know, you make a blood pact, you've decided to keep it a secret, you're never telling anyone ever, like maybe that's how you feel now, but I would leave the door open for that to change um, and change for you or change for your partner, right? Your partner might decide that, hey, you know what, I'd really love to tell my mom about what we're going through or whatever it is. So just, just know in the back of your mind that like there's a chance this could change. Okay, option number two. So option number two is to tell some people. And I think this is probably the option most people fall into uh, as they're going through their fertility journey. They don't totally keep it a secret. They don't tell everyone, but they do want to tell some people. So the first thing here, and I guess this is kind of a con, is you do have to make the decision of who you want to tell, when you want to tell them, and how much you want to tell them. Because it's not, it's not like you owe every single person in your life the exact same information at the exact same time. So this is going to be so dependent on, you know, who you are, where you're at in your journey, and who you have in your life when you want to bring in different people. So for us, when we did have that really early miscarriage last summer, 
that was a time when we wanted to kind of let our parents know. So we told um, my mother-in-law, my mom, and my dad. And that was just, we thought we needed that additional support. And we had planned to kind of tell them about the pregnancy. We actually had told my mother-in-law about the pregnancy anyways. So we kind of just wanted um, a bit of that extra emotional support uh, in in that really difficult time for us. And I will get into how the reactions there were both good and bad. Um, I've also told a few friends, and I think my husband has as well. And those have been a little bit more um, surface level, not getting as deep into the emotions of it all, um, and not sharing as many like details about exactly what we're doing, but kind of just keeping a big picture. And honestly, that's been kind of nice to share just in that you know, when I go to dinner with a friend and we talk and like we're catching up, you know, what you've been up to, it's nice to not have to keep this thing that sometimes is a really big part of my life a secret. Like it's nice to be able to, you know, share a little bit about what I'm going through and maybe I'm lucky and my friends are, are just awesome. But so far there hasn't been um, any like insensitive comments or negative reactions. There hasn't been a lot of prying. There's been a lot of like really respectful boundaries and really like just sort of, you know, yep, like listening along, but like not asking invasive questions or anything like that. Um, so that has been nice. And it's been a mix with my friends who I have told both who have kids and who don't have kids. So I don't think it's like, you know, they have to be, um, you know, a parent themselves in order to relate kind of thing. Um, but it, but that has been nice, actually, uh, do, um, I guess, recommend or, or I've enjoyed at least I don't know if I recommend it. But it's been nice for me to have like two or three people who kind of know what's going on. Um, so I don't feel like that part of my life is like completely cut off. So the pros of telling some people in your life about your fertility journey, obviously, is that support and just that um, avenue for sharing. If you're somebody who needs to sort of process out loud or talk through things, it can be really nice to have other people besides your partner or besides your doctor to share things with. The cons are, you know, the big one, which sort of inspired this whole episode, is dealing with people's reactions. Uh, you may not get reactions you want. Um, and now that you've, you know, put it out there, that's on you to deal with. Uh, we talked already about how a big con is deciding, you know, who, when, and what to share. And then another con that I didn't even think about until it happened is really this pressure to keep people updated, um, which I've felt a lot. There's been, again, you know, I have lovely, respectful <laughs> people in my life. So I don't, I've never had someone directly ask the question like, oh, so what's going on? Like, what's the latest? Um, but I feel that pressure. I kind of had it a little from my dad. I think he, he directly asked like, hey, you know, can I ask for updates? Like, is it okay if I follow up kind of thing? And I think I had said yes, but I kind of want to take that back. Um, but there is just this, there's this knowing, right? Like when you're in a room with a person who knows, um, they know what's up. And when you're talking about plans for the future, you know, they kind of, you have this sense of like hesitation, like they kind of know you're trying, you know, you're trying, there's nothing really to update them on, especially with a journey like ours, where it is so much waiting, just waiting around for my next cycle, waiting around for test results, waiting around for a doctor's appointment, like there's not even updates or progress I can give them, you know, I can't even share not even bad news, right? Like I can't even share like miscarriage news or anything. It's just like, no, we're still just waiting. We're still just exactly where we were six months ago, a year ago, two years ago. Like it's a lot of just sitting around and waiting, which is extremely frustrating. Um, and I think maybe this is more of like a me thing, but I feel a bit of pressure when I am in spaces with people who know, like our parents, um, 
when I don't have an update. And, you know, when the conversation kind of gets close to, it could be about kids or about the future or families. And like, everyone knows, you know, we're trying to have a kid and it's just a little bit awkward to not be able to talk about that, I guess. Um, And maybe that's on me. Maybe we should talk about it more openly or make it clear we don't want to, I don't know, but there's just, there's a little tinge of pressure, I guess, any, anytime we have those kind of conversations. All right. So my advice here, if you have decided to tell some people is first of all, be very careful about um, who you decide to open up to, you know, be very deliberate. Who in your life do you want to share with? At the same time, you know, as I say that, it's also very nice to just share when it feels right. Like when you're in conversation with someone, when you're having, you know, a nice dinner out or whatever, um, it can be very nice to just like share as it comes up, as it feels natural, as you need the support. So I guess it's both things. It's, you know, be careful, be deliberate, but also wait till it feels right. I would recommend keeping it pretty small at first. Go with like a smaller group of loved ones that you want to share with. Definitely, if you have a partner, talk to your partner and make sure they're comfortable with who you're sharing things with. For example, I would not be comfortable with my partner like going to work and telling all of his coworkers, you know, about all the details of our fertility journey. Like that wouldn't be cool for me. So definitely make sure you're talking about that first. Um, as you can, and I'll talk about this more later, but, you know, really asking for what you want out of these conversations and setting some boundaries. And remember that, you know, even though you have shared with a group of people, you still have your partner, you still have hopefully your therapist that you're able to process things with. And especially if you do get any reactions that you weren't expecting or that are negative, it's really nice to have your partner and your therapist to sort of, um, re- rework those, re <laughs> rehear those reactions, I guess, and sort of process them a little bit better. All right. And the third option when it comes to sharing your TTC slash fertility journey is telling everyone. And this is something I don't think a lot of people do. This is more something maybe you see on like social media or YouTube or whatever, like people who are chronicling their journey from day one in a very public forum. Um, And again, there are pros and cons here. Obviously, a nice pro is that you don't have to keep any secrets. Everything is just out there. You don't have to be careful of like who you tell or come up with an excuse for whatever, if you're having some symptoms or if you're having um, doctor's appointments or whatever it is, like all of that is out there. The cons, of course, is it's a complete lack of privacy. If you put this, you know, in a public platform and you're just sharing it with absolutely everyone, it's really hard to keep any of that to yourself. Um, you also are dealing with a lot of reactions, especially again, if you're going public and you're putting this on like a social media account or something like that, a lot of reactions, which, you know, pros and cons, right? Like you could get a ton of really supportive reactions. I've heard of some people who, you know, influencers or whoever who decide to chronicle their TTC and pregnancy journeys, like right from the beginning. And sometimes they'll have miscarriages and they talk about like how amazing it was to have their community Um, you know, with them through that, because they heard of all these stories from other people who've had miscarriages and things like that. So it can be a source of a lot of support, and really feeling like you have like a whole community behind you. But at the same time, you're also going to be dealing with a lot of um, other reactions that maybe are not as supportive, right, you might get a lot of negative reactions, or, you know, whatever it is. Um, And again, you're going to have that pressure even more so if you're doing this for like content creation, um, of everyone expecting updates, like you can't, you know, put out a video saying like, oh, hey, I'm like, you know, tracking my cycle to get pregnant and then not talk about pregnancy for like eight more weeks. You know, people are going to be like, what's going on? Did you get pregnant? How'd it go? So that could be really 
um, stressful. I know, especially for me, someone with PCOS, someone who started this podcast thinking it would be about pregnancy and like childbirth and parenting, you know, within a year. (laughs) And here we are like two plus years later, and it's still about trying to get pregnant. Um, it's difficult. And this, you know, if I can relate to this at all, this is probably the forum where I am the most open and public about sharing what we're going through. But for me, this is like an anonymous forum. So there's less pressure. I don't have, as you can see, there's like no social media connected to this podcast. It's, you know, anyone who's listening, it's just um, word of mouth or keyword. If you're searching for this podcast, like there's no promotion of it that I do. Um, also, I don't know if I've ever said this, but like spoiler alert, I don't use my real name <laughs> on this podcast and I'm pretty vague about, you know, where we live and things like that. So I don't think anyone listening actually knows me in real life. At least they haven't said anything if they do. Um, all to say that I still value this community so much, but for me, this was kind of like the in-between of having a space where I can share and process and be honest and feel like I have a community, but not have to do that in my real life, if that makes sense. Like I don't have to show up with my, you know, real name and answer questions in public and have friends and family who I've known for like 30 years, you know, ask me things about this journey. So um, once again, I'm recommending starting an anonymous podcast because it's pretty great to (laughs) find a community like this. All right, let's get into the actual, so like dealing with other people's reactions. So let's say you've opted for, you know, option two or option three, where you're telling some people or you're telling everyone about your journey. So what do you do when you get reactions that are not what you wanted or not what you expected? So first of all, I think there's this larger concept, and I'm sure there's some beautiful psychological term for this that I don't know, but I think there's this idea of like, when you put something out there in the world it's, you know, it's your job, it's your responsibility, it's up to you, like how you want to put it out there and what you want to think about it. But you don't get to control what other people think about it. And I see this a lot with, um, even to use my own mom as an example, she had called me the other day, and she wanted to send a message to a friend who had like reached out to her, but she wasn't interested in seeing this friend anymore. And she wanted the message to like convey that like the friend had like done something wrong. My mom is not usually this dramatic. This is like a very one off situation. But she wanted to convey to this friend that like, because of the friend's actions, she like didn't want to be, you know, in contact with her anymore. And I was like, I get it. I get that that's what you want to convey. Like that's the message you want to share, but like that isn't the message that person's going to receive and you can't control what that person's going to receive. So instead of, you know, writing this really inflammatory, dramatic, long message that like spills out all your emotions and then they get to have an extremely emotional reaction, just like, you know, keep it really clean. Like just really objective, nothing that they can, you know, really read into. Just be like, thank you for reaching out. I'm not interested in getting together at this time. I wish you well, you know, like a very just like simple, clean, a little cold, sure, but like there's nothing, you know, emotional that they can really dig into there. So I think this comes up a lot, you know, if you're, I don't know, sending an angry email or something and you and you want to convey in the email that like the other person got it wrong and it's like, okay, but who is that for? Like that's for you. That's something you want to convey, but you can't force the other person to pick it up. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is it's up to us how we you know, want to share and what we want to put out in the world, but we don't get to dictate how other people react to it. And if what you're looking for, if the goal of this thing you're putting out there is someone else's reaction, like that's going to be a problem. You really need to divorce your goals from someone else's reaction because you don't have any control over that, right? So it's the same thing like 
if you write a letter to an ex and you know you're just you can't wait to hear what they say back to you like you just really want to hear their you know their reaction to your letter like what if they don't respond <laughs> like that's so in writing the letter that needs to be for you like your everything you want out of that letter needs to just happen when you press send it cannot be reliant on them replying because they might not or they might not reply the way you want them to so this is very you know it's easy to say it is so hard to do especially with something as emotional and difficult as a TTC journey. It's very hard to say, you know, hey, when you share with someone like you need to be putting it out there, but you can't rely on, you know, what they're going to react because or how they're going to react because that's that's tough, right? That's not why we have um, conversations. That's not why we have relationships. It's because we do need that reaction, that response. So it's very difficult to divorce yourself from that outcome and that reaction. But I think as much as possible, trying to remember that like, hey, you're only responsible um, for what you're putting out there and, you know, how that makes you feel sharing it. How does that make you feel? Honestly, this is another pro of a podcast because, <laughs> you know, so much of what I'm doing here is just like the actual act of me talking to you. And as much as I love getting your comments and all that, it's not a conversation. Like we're not going back and forth. So it's a lot of it is just reliant on what I put out there and how I feel putting it out there versus, you know, waiting for all of your responses and reactions to it. So again, maybe just start a podcast. <laughs> um, that being said, you know, as much as the reaction is not within your control, and I do think it's very helpful to remember that, uh, I do think it's appropriate, depending on your relationship, of course, to ask for what you need or to hold boundaries if you're not getting what you need. So for example, you could sit down with a friend and say, hey, you know, I'd really love to share with you something that I'm going through in my life. Um, and then, you know, ask for exactly what you need. Like, I just need you to listen. If you could not ask any questions, that would be great. And then, you know, set a boundary if you need to. Like, also, if you, you know, if you don't, if you could not follow up with me about this, like, I'm not really interested in giving updates, you know, I'll, I'll share when I'm ready to, but if you could not follow up, that would also be great. And a, you know, respectful, loving friend would say, absolutely, no problem, please share. Like, thank you for sharing with me. Thank you for trusting me with this, right? So I think if you can get ahead of it that way, sort of setting those boundaries and, and asking for what you need, and you can even, you know, you can be honest, right? Like, hey, I'm looking for some support here, or like, hey, I want to share this with you because... I need to vent or I need to process or I need somebody to hold this <laughs> secret with me. Um, you can literally ask like, hey, I'm looking for some sympathy. Hey, I'm looking for some support. Um, I'm looking for somebody to hold me while I cry and spoon feed me ice cream. Like you can say these things, right? Like it's silly, but it helps, right? It can really help. Um, my next piece of advice here, and I think this is again, a big one, and we've talked about it a lot, is look for support elsewhere. If you have shared with some people in your life, and they did not react the way you wanted them to, uh, once again, remind yourself that like, you had no control over that you cannot control how they react. Um, if it's something that's like an ongoing issue, try to set those boundaries, and then look for the support elsewhere. So this is again, where you're turning to your partner, or maybe another friend or family member, or and especially a therapist. Um, not only can these other people give you the support and the reaction that you might have been missing, but they can also help you mostly a therapist in sort of translating that reaction that you got. So for example, and I talked about this before, but when we had our um, early miscarriage last summer, I was very hurt by the reaction of my mother-in-law. It really felt like she was not um, acknowledging the emotion and the pain that we were going through in that time. And she was the only person physically with us um, who knew what was happening. We were with a group of family 
members away camping and no one else knew what was happening. So like she was the only person kind of in on this secret. And I really felt like she was not um, acknowledging what we were going through, not respecting it, not protecting us. Um, And that really, really hurt me, to be honest, for many weeks after that, I had a very hard time um, (laughs) still apparently (laughs) have a very hard time talking about it, had a very hard time talking to her. Um, and it really just upset me, her reaction in the moment, just it not being what I wanted and what I needed. And I think, you know, looking back on it now, um, I feel like I have better tools for uh, standing up for myself, asking for what I need. Luckily, my husband was incredible in that moment and was very good about, um, you know, standing up for us and setting our boundaries and asking for what we needed. And then the thing that really changed it for me was a conversation with my therapist, because I was able to sit down with my therapist, you know, spill all this out, say all the things, you know, you're not supposed to say about your mother-in-law and, you know, process it. And then my therapist was just, I don't know exactly how she did this, but she started asking a series of questions that was sort of like, you know, when your mother-in-law goes through traumatic times and she has, she's lost, you know, her husband and her mother and her sister and two brothers, like she's lost a lot of people in her life. And my therapist asked me, you know, when things like that happen for your mother-in-law, when she has a loss, what does she do? And my answer was, oh, she surrounds herself with people. Like she doesn't like to be alone. She loves to be with her people, her friends, her family, you know, they keep her laughing, they support her, they help her. And that helped me to reframe what I saw as like callous behavior by my mother-in-law, not acknowledging what we were going through, not giving us space to process was actually her like sharing her own way of processing with us. Because in her mind, the best thing to do in that situation, when you have a loss, when you're feeling down is be with your friends and family, be with the people who love you, who can lift you up, who can support you. And that's why she kept inviting us to, you know, come out of the trailer and hang out with everyone. We're all having dinner, like come play a game, come sit with us, come like feel everyone's love. Just neither of us had the language, right? Like I needed to say, hey, I love that that's how you process. It's not how I process. I need to be alone. Can you please, you know, help me protect this space? And she needed to say like, hey, when I feel down and I feel lost, I love to be with people. And, you know, that's what I want to, you know, I'm trying to help you with that. I'm trying to invite you into this love circle that I've created. And it was so helpful for me. You know, I haven't had that conversation with my mother-in-law and I don't, I don't think I need to, to be honest. I don't think there was enough of a negative lasting negative reaction that we need to like talk about it. Um, But it was so helpful for me to have that moment with my therapist and just reframe, reframe. That's the word I was looking for. (laughs) Reframe her reaction. It was not her being callous or her, you know, thinking that our problem was minor or anything like that. It was just, she processes trauma and loss differently than I do. And she needs different things in those moments than I do. And it was just like a miscommunication of our emotional needs at that time. And it was so, so, so helpful to have a therapist to reframe that with. And then also to have my partner to talk about the incident with and to kind of validate, you know, how I was feeling and talk about how we'll do things differently next time. So highly recommend, again, (laughs) therapy for sure, especially if you are dealing with reactions that are not what you wanted. It is so helpful to have a therapist to talk all that through and to help you reframe it. My last piece of advice here, as I know this episode is getting long, is to connect with people who are on a similar path. So like this podcast, online forums, Uh, I'm sure there's in-person groups and whatever else there are. Um, Even if, you know, nobody knows exactly what you're going through, 
And yes, you can still get, you know, negative or uncomfortable reactions in these groups. I think it's really helpful to find some sort of a community because I think sometimes that can be the issue when we get these negative or, you know, surprising or uncomfortable reactions from friends and family about our journey. It's just they don't know, right? Like that's exactly what Jillian said in her message. It's people don't seem to understand. It's true. They don't understand, right? Especially if it's an older generation or someone who um, has never dealt with fertility issues, right? I remember when I was talking to my dad about this, he kind of said, you know, I've never thought about it because he's had two kids and both times no problems, right? <laughs> like it was just never. And also, you know, being a man didn't have to think about it too much. Um, it's never something he thought of. It's not a world he knows at all. And I think that can sometimes be the big issue. It's not that our friends and family members are jerks and trying to be mean and make us feel bad. They just have a completely different lived experience, a completely different frame of reference. So it can be really helpful to seek out groups of, you know, people who are trying to conceive or dealing with the same or similar fertility struggles as you. Um, with caution, I would say, you know, sometimes these groups can get a little bit draining. It can be really hard to hear a bunch of stories. It can get like weirdly competitive. Um, but on the whole, I think it's just nice to at least dip your toe into groups like this um, and to know that there are people out there who are dealing with similar things that you that you are who do understand what you're going through. And I think that can really help you feel less alone. And if you can't find a community group or you don't really want to be part of one, know that just by listening, you are part of one. Congrats. There are hundreds of people listening right now to this exact same episode who are on their own version of some sort of a fertility, TTC, who knows what <laughs> journey. Uh, so you are not alone. You are one of hundreds listening, I'm sure thousands, millions, whatever out there uh, who are dealing with something like this. And I'm so sorry if you ever get a reaction that you are not looking for, but I hope you feel some comfort in knowing that uh, we're all with you. We're all nodding along. We've all been through something similar. All right. All the best to you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. If you liked hearing from me, I'd really appreciate it if you could do all the things. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with a friend. Even if I wasn't able to answer all of your questions, I hope there's some relief in knowing you're not alone in asking them. Thanks so much for being here.